Welcome to Rams Up, your weekly L.A. Rams podcast, bi-weekly during the season. We are a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We'll cover other SoCal sports items of interest, but we're mostly about your Los Angeles Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody, to Rams Up, your L.A. Rams podcast. We decided, after all, to return to our once-a-week drop. That'll be Monday mornings for the time being, unless there's any breaking news that warrants a midweek drop. This is, in fact, our first episode of Season 2, and we have a lot of Super Bowl follow-up stuff we want to get to. We also have our final power rankings And we'll recap our Rams Up Straight Up picks for the entire year, see how we did. And we also have a sports pet peeve. I haven't had one in a while, been too busy with playoff and Super Bowl football. And we're also bringing back our Fearsome Four questions, but we're going to start doing things a little bit differently. We're going to throw these Fearsome Four questions at a guest each episode, if anyone's willing to take that on. If you are... Drop us an email at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can also go to our website, laramsup.com, and use the contact form there to let us know you're interested. We can do it a number of ways. I can throw four questions at you. You can tell me what four questions you want to answer. Pretty free form here. Whatever works for you as the guest, and we'll get you on for an interview and include it in our podcast. And bear in mind, these questions are not trivia questions. These are crystal ball questions, questions about the future of the Rams, roster moves, draft picks, what you think is going to happen with regards to the Rams and other teams in the NFL. And our first guinea pig this year, I'm proud to announce, is my special assistant who knows everything but prefers to remain anonymous. He has taken his shot at my four questions this week. Before we get into Rams Super Bowl follow-up stuff, I wanted to briefly mention the two rumors out there. One rumor, Tom Brady possibly ending up with the 49ers. That will be interesting. Not going to talk any more about that this week because at this point, it seems to be a rumor generated by Mike Florio. I could see it happening. We'll be keeping an eye on that story. And the other story is When Kyler Murray got pulled from that playoff game against the Rams, well, actually, he wasn't pulled. He actually took himself out. And again, that is just a rumor. Not sure how much truth there is to it, but but man, quarterback shakeup going on across the league. Tom Brady to the Niners, Kyler Murray upset, Russell Wilson to the Buccaneers, I've also heard. Lots of crazy stuff going on. But let's get back to the Rams. I want to start off by giving a shout-out to Odell Beckham Jr. I didn't say enough about his performance in the Super Bowl. It was really wonderful seeing him step up and get a touchdown in the Super Bowl before going down with that unfortunate injury. Here's a cool stat for you. Matthew Stafford went 10 of 12 for 140 yards and two TDs with Odell Beckham Jr. on the field after he left 16 of 28 for 143 yards, a TD, and two interceptions. Now, while I would love to see OBJ come back to this Rams team, I'm just not sure how it's going to work. He probably won't be available till late in the season at best. 
possibly not the entire season. So how does that work? Not sure. We'll get into that in another episode. We'll see how it plays out in Rams camp. But salute to OBJ. He was critical to the Super Bowl win. Really sad to see him go down like that, but at least he got his Super Bowl touchdown. And another player I wanted to mention was Daryl Henderson. Now, he didn't have as big an impact on the game as OBJ, obviously. He had two big catches, 15 and 25 yards, three catches for 43 yards. And when McVeigh announced before the game that it was going to be a three-man show back there at running back, Akers, Michelle, and Henderson, I wasn't convinced we were going to see Henderson at all coming back from the injury, but Sean wasn't lying. Henderson was a part of the passing game, and again, like I said, he had two big first down catches. So he dusted off the rust real quick, and he was in sync with Matthew Stafford. And how about that bad beatdown due to the Matthew Stafford kneel at the end of the game? The prop bet on Stafford's rushing yardage opened at four and a half yards, moved up to six and a half by Sunday for some reason. And for much of the game, he was sitting at seven yards rushing due to that scramble in the first quarter. And then at the end of the game, he takes a knee and he ends up under the six and a half. What a horrible way to lose a bet. Retirement watch. Nothing about Whitworth. McVeigh will be back. Aaron Donald. I think he's just playing with us, but nothing official yet. Now he's saying that, hey, if we bring everyone back, I'll be back. Not sure what he means by that. And, of course, Eric Weddle won't be back. And I don't know what's going on with him. I was driving, listening to the Dan Patrick show, and stayed tuned in because Eric Weddle was going to be joining them. And then when his time came up, they couldn't find him. So I'm not sure what happened with Eric Weddle. I was really disappointed in the refs. You know, that no call on Higgins face masking Ramsey, I thought they didn't see it. I understand. You don't see it. You don't call it. Well, based on their explanation, they did see it. They just decided to discount it. Now, I don't know what you all saw, but what I saw was Jalen Ramsey's face mask getting pulled such that his head got turned away from the ball. Got to be a penalty of some sort. Really crazy that they saw it, but decided not to call it. And I wanted to talk real quickly about Jalen Ramsey. Did he have a bad game? I saw a YouTube analysis of his performance, and the conclusion they came to was, you know what, he had a couple bad plays, but who doesn't, especially going up against Jamar Chase? He had the bad play on the 46-yard gain. And he had a bad play at the end of the game. But as Warren Sapp pointed out, the front end and the back end work together. If you have a defensive line that's going to get to the quarterback in one and a half seconds or two seconds, you don't need to worry about covering that deep ball. Although at that point in the game, I'm talking on the Joe Burrow's last snap. I'd still be playing softer than Ramsey was. But yeah, he got burnt, but... Burrow wasn't going to have time to throw to him anyways, so maybe it wasn't such a bad play after all. And another shout-out to Bryson Hopkins on that fourth-and-one play, one of the biggest plays of the game. Go back and watch Bryson Hopkins on that. Terrific block that allowed Cooper Cup to spring free for a seven-yard gain and keep that final Rams drive alive. 
And how about Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup in the Tampa Bay game? Rams are tied in the fourth quarter. Stafford to Cup for 44 yards with 28 seconds left. Rams against the 49ers in the fourth quarter. 25-yard pass from Stafford to Cup with 326 left. Against the Bengals, Rams are down in the fourth quarter. 22-yard pass, Stafford to Cup with 306 left. And in those last two games I mentioned, the opponent's final drive basically coming to an end because of pressure from Aaron Donald. Three of our biggest stars, Stafford, Cup, and Donald, getting it done in crunch time. And by the way, Sean McVay now the all-time playoff win leader as a Rams coach, and he's 28th in league history. Not bad for a teenager. He's also the youngest coach to win a Super Bowl, 36 years, 20 days. Mike Tomlin had previously held the title. Sean gets him by about 300 days. And those narratives that we don't have to listen to anymore, actually, we're probably going to have to listen to them because people just don't get it. Narrative number one, the Rams have a top-heavy roster. They have no depth. Well, Trevin Howard, Greg Gaines, Ben Skaronic, Bryson Hopkins, Nick Scott, Joseph Noteboom, all playing significant roles in this playoff run. Narrative two, Matthew Stafford can't get it done in the playoffs. Well, he was 4-0 this year, including wins over NFL darlings Kyler Murray, Tom Brady, and Joe Burrow. Narrative number three, Aaron Donald disappears in big games. Tell the 49ers and the Bengals that. Game-ending plays in the NFC Conference Championship and the Super Bowl. Narrative number four, OBJ is worthless. A mistake to add this diva to our roster. From what I've seen, OBJ still has it. Plenty in the tank. And from what I've read, a great locker room presence. His teammates love him. And of course, there are two other narratives that are as annoying as they are untrue. The Rams have no draft picks and the Rams are in cap hell. Well, talk to us about that in a few months. I have my updated Super Bowl standings. Three points for a win, one point for a loss. The Rams are tied in 10th place with the Miami Dolphins, both teams 2 and 3, with another win next year, highly possible. The Rams would jump all the way up to 8th place over the Raiders and the Commanders. And how about that? I called them Commanders on my first try. I also wanted to briefly mention the NFL Honors Show, Andrew Whitworth and Cooper Cup both getting recognized. Whitworth as the NFL Man of the Year, Cooper Cup as the NFL Offensive Player of the Year. And both of them gave really impressive speeches, especially Whitworth. That story with him meeting Derek Barnes after the Ram-Lion game. Barnes reminding Whitworth that Whitworth had encouraged him as a youngster and crediting Whitworth with his success as a football player. And Cooper Cup, also a very nice speech. It's so obvious Cup does not want to be the center of attention. He wants it to be about his team. Just further evidence that the Rams have a lot of high-character players in that locker room. We'll be back in a minute. Lots of more stuff to cover. Snap counts from the Super Bowl, pro football focus grades for the game and for the season. 
bringing back our fearsome four questions and another sports pet peeve. Another one of our who's pumped, who's pissed, who's perplexed segments. Lots more to come. I was eagerly looking forward to what the snap counts from the Super Bowl looked like. And yes, my eyes weren't lying to me. Trevin Howard had zero snaps on defense. That really surprised me. I suppose that's his reward for sealing that Niner win with the interception. I know that was really just being in the right place at the right time. But he's played really well, I thought. But with Ernest Jones completely healthy, Troy Reader playing, I know, most of you are going to disagree with me, playing decent football at times. And Justin Hollins also getting on the field a lot. Rams just decided Trevin Howard could be relegated to special teams. Really surprised me. Zero snaps on defense. Justin Holland had 11 snaps. Oko had 10. And Troy Reeder, the guy who I thought might get benched, had 21 snaps. That's 34% of the 61 defensive snaps. As you'd expect, those four guys in the secondary, Nick Scott, Jalen Ramsey, Darius Williams, and Eric Weddle out there for 100% of the snaps. And Taylor Rapp, 27, almost half the snaps. So he played an interesting role in that defense. I'm not sure what you call it. I'll let some of you X's and O's experts chime in on that. Maybe there's some videos explaining how that Ram defense was aligning. I mean, it's a different matchup. The Cincinnati team then the Niner team and the Buck team, completely different matchup. But that probably went into the decision, I assume, to rotate Trevin Howard out of there and guys like Taylor Rapp, Troy Reader getting more snaps than you might expect. On the offensive side, interesting number that jumped out at me, the Rams had 69 offensive snaps. Bryson Hopkins, 39. Kendall Blanton, 30. Pretty sure they were in one tight end sets the entire game. Daryl Henderson had 22 snaps, Sony Michelle 7, and Cam Akers 39. I don't think it really mattered who was out there. I thought Sony Michelle should have got some of those goal line runs, but he did not. Nothing else really jumped off the screen at me. Van Jefferson missed one snap on offense. Ben Skaronic was out there for 46 snaps or 67%. Ashawn Robinson, 26 snaps, and man, did we get our money's worth out of those 26 snaps. He was a stud. And that showed up in the pro football focus grades. Working from the top, Von Miller led the way with a 92. Ashawn Robinson, 89.6, followed by Cooper Cup with an 83.4. OBJ missed a lot of the game, but when he was out there, 77.3. Witt, right behind him at 76.5, and Aaron Donald, 75.9. I do not know what the grades for Corbett, Allen, and Edwards were. I suspect they were not very good. We got no push in the running game. They did okay in the passing game, but overall, I suspect their grades were fairly poor. Meanwhile, Pro Football Focus released their top 101 graded players for the entire season. And seven Rams made it. That's pretty impressive when you consider there's 32 teams 
you'd expect on average every team to have about three. And the Rams come away with seven, including two in the top three. Two and three were Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup. Number one, by the way, was 49ers left tackle Trent Williams. Vaughn Miller came in at 24, Jalen Ramsey 29, Matthew Stafford 43, Rob Havenstein 53, and Brian Allen 97. Surprised Whitworth wasn't in there. So seven Rams, four who were drafted by the Rams, and three who came over in trades. Hey, let's roll right into my final power rankings of the year. Now this is based on the just-completed season, not looking forward at all. And I'll just give you my top, eh, let's say, I'll give you my top 10. How about that? Hey, you know what? I'll give you my top 12. Number 12 is the LA Chargers. I had them at 11 at the start of the season. Number 11, the Las Vegas Raiders. Where did I have them? I had them at 22 prior to the season, so... That's off on them. Number 10, the Arizona Cardinals. Had them marked pretty well. 14 at the beginning of the season. Number 9, the Cowboys. I had them at 13 before the season started. Number 8, the Titans. Nailed that pretty good. I had them at 9 prior to the season. Number 7, the Bucks. I had them at 1. You know, those... Those wide receivers they lost really affected that ranking, I think. If Godwin and Brown are still with the Bucks late in the year, I don't think they're set at number seven in my final rankings. Number six, the Green Bay Packers. I had them at four prior to the season. Number five, the 49ers. I had them at six prior to the season, so I was pretty spot on with that. Number four, the Buffalo Bills. I had them at five prior to the season. Number three, the Kansas City Chiefs. I had them number two prior to the season. And number two, the Cincinnati Bengals. This is the one I missed badly on. I had them at 26. What was I thinking? Well, I was probably thinking along with most of the so-called experts. And number one, your Los Angeles Rams. I had them at number three beginning the season. We'll move forward with our first off-season rankings prior to the 2022 season, probably not for another month or so after we see some retirement news and perhaps some free agency when that kicks in. We'll come back and give you our off-season power rankings at that time. And I'll give you one last look at my game picks, my Rams up straight up game picks. I was correct on the Super Bowl. Pete Prisco was wrong. Lorenzo Reyes and Mike Florio were with me all over the Rams, so we all picked up one correct pick. I finish on the air, 178 correct, 107 wrong for 62%, four better than Pete Prisco, eight behind Mike Florio, that really pisses me off, and well behind Lorenzo Reyes, who, I'll say it again, is one of the best straight-up game pickers in the country. He writes for USA Today, by the way. 62%, not bad. I'll need to improve on that next year. Next up, my shy special assistant takes on four questions. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook 
is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full list for requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. Hey, we have our special assistant who knows everything but prefers to remain anonymous. He's joining us for our Fearsome four questions today. Okay. Fearsome question one. If you can retain Austin Corbett or Brian Allen, who you got? Uh, probably Corbett. I think Corbett because yeah. I, I feel like even before this year, I thought we had to upgrade. Uh, we needed to get an upgrade for Brian Allen, but he did play well. And I think Shelton is uh, – wouldn't it be the worst if, if we had to start him at center or find someone in the draft? So I'd, I'd go Corbett. Yeah, the question is, is uh, is Tremaine Ankrum or Coleman Shelton ready to play guard or center? And if they are, which position are they ready to play? And unfortunately, right. we don't know the answer to that. First some question two, who's our next offensive coordinator? And I have four candidates here, Liam Cohen, Greg Olson, Cortez Hankton and Charles London. I don't know if you're up keeping up well, with this. I know they just brought in uh, the LSU guy. Hankton. Um, what's his name again? Cortez yeah. Hankton. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it would be, he was like a passing game coordinator there. And I feel like it would be good to have someone like that, that just could point things out in the passing game that McVay may miss or not see. Cause Having offensive coordinators kind of irrelevant with McVay, um, but I think someone that that's that has that passing game coordinator uh, that can see the field that way, I think that'd be a yeah. I a, feel like a good addition. I feel like Cohen and Olson are going backwards for McVay, and he doesn't go backwards. Right, so he, right. That's why I think it's going to be Hankton as well. Yeah, I, I would like to bring in like a, a fresh set of eyes too. So someone that hasn't been with the team that can point things out that McVay, I know McVay always says he likes having those people in the room, people that can challenge him or see the, the game differently. Uh, okay, we agree on that one. Fearsome question three. So with OBJ injured, the Rams need someone to stretch the field. So the question is, who is that going to be? Is it going to be 
2-2? Or are we just going to wait for OBJ to come back? Or is it a free agent like Devontae Adams, who will probably get franchise tagged? Or maybe someone like Will Fuller? What do you say? Yeah, they can't afford Devontae Adams. I assume he's going to break the record for how much of a receiver gets paid. Um, yeah, I I don't have... I, I feel like 2-2, when he was available, I can't... You can't rely on him. I mean, hopefully it works out, and hopefully he can be in that guy, but I don't yeah. have confidence in him. Um, and, I, and I don't think Van Jefferson is a true stretch-the-field guy. Right. Well, I think he could be. He was just banged up. I think he was at the beginning of the year, but yeah, he's not that like just strictly speedster guy. That's what Will Fuller is. You need to find someone that wants to sign for one year, get their value up, and then get a big trunk contract. So maybe that that's something Will Fuller can do because I doubt he'll get a lot of money. Um, but right. if he went to the Rams and was successful being a stretch receiver, then he can get his big payday after that. Right. Or or a guy that's that wants to play for a ring. I don't know. I haven't looked at the wide receiver free agent list, um, but someone that that that's the benefit of being in LA and being on a good team is they can uh, try to get someone that's chasing that ring like right. OBJ. Right. Okay. Last question. Here's some question four. Now, first I'm going to tell you the Ram unrestricted free agents, the ones that, uh, we'd probably want to consider for the answer to this question, Darius Williams, Sony Michelle, Vaughn Miller, Austin Corbett, Brian Allen, Sebastian Joseph Day, Oko, Joe Noteboom. Of all those guys, and I already have my answer for this, but I'm interested to see what you, you would have to say. Which one are we most likely to lose? And by that I mean who is going to be chased by other teams and who are the Rams probably just going to say, you know what, we're just going to have to let you walk. Again, I'll repeat that. I the assume. Ones- no, no, I, I think, I think I'm good. Um, I may ask you to refresh me in a sec if I forget, but I think Darius Williams is probably going to be gone. I think that was one of the reasons they drafted Robert Rochelle because they knew Williams was going to be a free agent and they probably can't afford him. They can't keep everyone, and right. I want them to. I want them. I assume Whitworth is retiring, so I want them to keep no boom. I kind of want them to do whatever they can to keep that that offensive line the same because they played well. So I feel like that's the priority, and then Von Miller too, of course, because he was so good down the stretch. But I I can't imagine them being able to pay everyone, and I assume Darius Williams will get yeah. a decent payday somewhere else. And, and the unknown is some of these guys just don't won't want to stay. I mean, guys like uh, Austin Blythe, the offensive lineman, he just wanted to go back to the Midwest, and that's what he did. That people say, why did the Rams let him go? Uh, well, he wanted to go. Yeah, Darius Williams, I think. I checked, uh, according to Sport Track, Darius Williams, his market value is going to be over $14 million. So, yeah, I think Robert Rochelle, David Long, and maybe that's a reason why they try to keep uh, – Dion, right. Um, You're already paying Ramsey so much to so to have that much money yeah. tied up in both cornerbacks just doesn't yeah. seem realistic. And if you have Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, and Aaron Donald, do you really need top notch right. cornerbacks? I you think, know, I think Rochelle is going to be good. I, I yeah. like Rochelle. I think he's going to be good. 
Yeah. So you so got Rochelle Long and yeah, Rochelle Long and Ramsey. Uh, nothing to cry about with those three. I came to the same conclusion that Darius Williams, uh, beginning of the year, I might have said, oh, man, we got to keep this guy. And I'm starting to think we really can't and shouldn't. He, he could be one of those guys that we took for granted. Like, I think he was good. And he had moments in the playoffs where I know the Bucks and Scotty Miller had success against him. But um, I think we may have taken him for granted like because he, he had a good year. And you're, you're always going to get action when you have Ramsey on one side. Right. And there was never like a moment where you're like, God damn it, Darius Williams, like, come on. Um, yeah. So I feel like. Yeah. Undrafted free agent and he's going to end up making $14 million a year. I know. Crazy. And that's the thing. Like he hasn't had his big payday. Right. So it's like, he's not going to stay for less money. He got right. his ring and, and now he can go get right. paid. So yeah, that's true. The fact that he got his ring makes it more likely for him to say, you know what? Time for me to move on. Right. Okay. I'm going to wrap this up. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, my special assistant. And um, <laughs> I'll send this uh, for your review before we post it. And we'll have you back on another time for some Laker stuff. All right, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay. Have a good day. With the 2021-2022 season behind us and Rams up starting our second season, by the way, I wanted to cap the season with another who's pumped, who's pissed, who's perplexed segment. The season's over. The firing and hiring season is well underway. Whose fans are pumped, whose are pissed, and whose are perplexed? I think it's a good time to take a look at this. And I'm going to start with the perplexed fan bases. One fan base that has to be a little bit perplexed is the Indianapolis Colts. They were already a little perplexed with the way the season ended. They looked like almost a borderline Super Bowl contender at one point. And then it all fell apart. And now Carson Wentz will be cut or traded, apparently. So they have to be a little perplexed, starting over with another quarterback, perhaps. Good, solid team. They just can't get that quarterback situation squared away since Andrew Luck left. Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, and now who knows? Another fan base that has to be a little perplexed is the Buffalo Bills. I had picked them for the Super Bowl. I had picked them losing to the Rams in the Super Bowl, actually, going way back to September. That was my call, and it just didn't work out. The Bills Mafia is always going to be behind their team, but they have to be still pretty perplexed. Kansas City Chiefs fan base is perplexed, up 21-3 to at home with a chance to go to the Super Bowl, and they blow it. Patrick Mahomes can't seal the deal. That Chief fan base, they had to think they had it in the bag, and it slipped away. They've got to be perplexed. I don't think they're pissed because they love their team too much. Hey, you lose in the AFC Conference Championship game, you can't be too pissed. You can't hold on to that lead at home. You don't deserve to go to the Super Bowl. You know who's really perplexed is the Arizona Cardinals fan base. This stuff going on with Kyler Murray, 
7 and 0 and then it all falls apart they can't even win their division and then they get hammered in the first round of the playoffs and now their quarterback their star player the guy who drew a lot of free agents there seems to be disenchanted with the direction this franchise is going or does he just want a big raise i don't know but if i'm an arizona cardinal fan I'm pretty perplexed right now. And the Bengal fans have to be perplexed. I don't think they're pissed. They're probably upset about how they lost that game at the end. They probably think they got robbed a little bit. But hey, the Rams got robbed a little bit too. They have to be perplexed with how their Wonder Boy quarterback got hammered yet again. Is this team ever going to win the big one unless they invest in that offensive line What's the future of their great quarterback if they can't protect him any better than they have recently? If I'm a Bengal fan, I'm sort of kind of happy where my team is right now, but I'm also a little perplexed. And Dolphin fans have to be perplexed the way this thing has gone with Stephen Ross. My God, sad state of affairs. I don't think they're quite pissed yet. They're just wondering what the heck is going on. And the last fan base that's perplexed is the fan base of the New Orleans Saints. Sean Payton takes a year off or two. Will he come back? Who knows? If he comes back, will it be with the Cowboys or some other franchise? So what do the Saints do? They go out and name Dennis Allen as their new head coach. Dennis Allen with a career coaching record of eight wins and 28 losses. Dennis Allen could be a fine coach, but if you go from Sean Payton to 8 and 28 Dennis Allen. You may not be pissed, but you're awfully perplexed. I only have one team in the pissed category, and that's the LA Charger fan base. They have to be pissed how they missed the playoffs at the end there and then watch their in town rivals, the LA Rams, win the Super Bowl. Chargers trying to win over the hearts of LA. Rams probably beat them to it. I got three fan bases that are pumped. The Minnesota Viking fan base is pumped. I talked to one, and yes, he is pumped about this Kevin O'Connell hire, bringing him over from the Rams as their new coach. Vikings have a good team, and Viking fans know that. They're excited about an offensive-minded coach coming over from the Rams. And Raider fans are pumped. I think they're always pumped. I've seen these, I've seen these Raider fans pumped when they're down 33 to nothing. They're just always pumped. But they're pumped about this Josh McDaniel hire, and and I don't blame them. I think it's an exciting hire. Raider fans have to be pumped. And what other fan base is pumped, and I can give you a first-hand account of this, Ram fans are pumped. An L.A. Rams Super Bowl for the first time ever. The second in franchise history. I'm pumped and will be for a couple more weeks probably. The downside is the Ram fan base may be perplexed in a couple weeks if Sean McVay and Aaron Donald don't come clean on their plans for next year. But still, for now, L.A. Ram fans are definitely in that pumped category. And I'm going to add one more team to my pumped category. How about Detroit Lions fans? At least maybe 60% of them are really pumped on behalf of Matthew Stafford. It was pretty cool how they got behind him showing support for their ex-quarterback. So I'll say 60% of the Detroit Lion fan base is really pumped. 
That's my status update on fan bases across the league, which fan bases are pumped, which are pissed, and which are perplexed. We'll do this again in a few weeks. I'm sure there's going to be some breaking news that'll encourage me to revisit this again. have a new sports pet peeve for you. Haven't done this in a while. Kind of got distracted by playoff games and NFC championship games and a Super Bowl. So not going to apologize for that. That was a good thing. But let's get back to our sports pet peeves. This one is an NBA pet peeve. And I'm jumping on Jeff Van Gundy's coattails here. He's been calling this out for years as have many others, and it happened again the other night in the Laker-Jazz game. One of the most exciting plays in the NBA, if you can just imagine, let's say, Dwight Howard pulling down a rebound and kicking it out to LeBron James, and LeBron James in transition, three-on-one. LeBron James, one of the best players in the history of the NBA when it comes to transition, pushing it up court, And this is what fans are here for, right? LeBron James in transition, 3-1 to advantage. But what happens? He's fouled. They don't call it an intentional foul, even though that's what it is. He's fouled to take away that advantage, and the Lakers get the ball in bounds. And as Van Gundy called out himself, Oh, great. We are just about to see one of the most exciting plays in the NBA. And instead, we get to see the Lakers inbound the ball and play some half-court basketball. Now, Olympic basketball gets this right. They call it what it is, an intentional foul. You get the shot and the ball inbounds. In the NBA, you just get the ball inbounds. Now, how do you stop this? Well, you do it the Olympic way. You could even say give them two shots. Because even one shot in the ball inbounds might be to the defensive team's advantage. Give them two shots in the ball inbounds. That'll put an end to that. And the fans will get to see what they want to see. LeBron James with two wingmen in transition against one defender instead of a foul in the ball inbounds. Jeff Van Gundy has this right. The Olympics have it right. The NBA has it wrong. They need to fix it for the fans' sake. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at laramsup.com. And please don't forget to subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of bensound.com and the YouTube royalty-free music audio library, Crimson Fly by Hama Hama.